Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the cliches. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious. Um, every day I ask, you know, what does God have in store for me and how does he want to utilize me in this position that I hold. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com. We've got an awesome show for you today. Our guest is Sean Alexander, former NFL MVP, played with the Seattle Seahawks, plays college football at Alabama. He was at the SEC Championship last week, and so we'll ask him all about that. Plus, his name is now being attached to a new award in college football, and so we'll ask him about that as well. And and I'm excited to talk with him because I'm a huge fantasy football owner, and, and early on when I first started playing, Sean Alexander was the guy. I mean, he was one of those top fantasy players, so he, he's a fantasy legend uh, for sure. All right. Also on today's show, uh, we'll do our segment. Unpack this uh, about Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's head coach, because I heard him speak at the Bronco Nagurski awards banquet. It's an awesome dinner. And so he was the keynote speaker and uh, they gave out the a bunch of different awards, but the Bronco Nagurski award being the, the main trophy uh, that they gave out. And so uh, Harbaugh just had some things to say that I want to share uh, with you guys today. And so stick around for that. And then coming up next, we'll do our segment, I'm Convinced. I've got some thoughts on building culture in the NFL and and as they look to hire new head coaches this time of year and firing coaches, what does it look like to build a culture? And and then also uh, LeBron James and who he needs to be teamed up with. We'll discuss that, but we're just getting going right here on Unpacking It on Sports Byline USA. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So glad to be with you here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our email devotional and our podcast on unpackingit.com. Right now, it's time for our segment we call I'm Convinced, where I take a look at the week and some of the big stories in sports and let you know what I'm convinced of. And so we'll start in the NBA because I'm convinced LeBron James doesn't need to play alongside another top five player in the league. I'm also convinced the Lakers do not need to sign Carmelo Anthony. Now, the Lakers are playing very well this year. They're right in the mix in the Western Conference. 
I think they're surprising a lot of people. If you listened to this show earlier in the season, you knew that I was on the Lakers bandwagon, and, and I'm excited to see what they've been able to do. But there has been some discussion this week. Kevin Durant had some comments, and, and other former players or teammates of, of LeBron have, have talked about, well, I don't think other players are going to really want to play with LeBron, or top players in the league will want to play with LeBron, and, and there's this understanding that the Lakers won't be able to sign one of the big names in free agency next summer, like Kawhi Leonard. They missed out on Paul George. Kevin Durant's not going to go there. And, and so we, we start thinking about this, and all of a sudden, people are being critical of LeBron, or it's being received that way. And to me, it's like, well, why would a top-five player want to play with LeBron? They want to have their own team. And Kevin Durant is unique in that he wanted to go play with Steph Curry uh, and be you know, two of the top five to seven players in the league on one team. And LeBron, at, at a certain stage in his career, needed Dwayne Wade. And they needed each other to, to win multiple championships together. They were good friends. They wanted to team up and do it. But there are young players in the league that are at a different stage than LeBron. And so they're not going to want to team up with LeBron at, at this point where LeBron's clearly the face of the franchise, clearly the guy. And, and at this point, he's just adding to his legacy. As, and the younger players, the Jimmy Butlers and, and all these other names, Kawhi Leonard, they're building their legacy right now. And so I don't see it as a bad thing. And then I, on the other side of it, I'm convinced LeBron doesn't need one of those guys to win another championship. He's playing so well right now, and the Lakers' young players are getting better. And so give them another year. They only need to add a couple other pieces. It doesn't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be Anthony Davis. There are other players available, potentially Chris Middleton, maybe Mark Gasol, uh, even Mike Conley. There, there are just other names out there that, that are on that next tier of talent that could come to the Lakers because they'll have some cap space. And, and they'll be able to either make a trade or sign somebody and, and put together a solid team around LeBron. Now, I know you think, okay, well, he had to win with Kyrie Irving. He had to win with Dwayne Wade. I would like to see LeBron do it and, and do it with role players or even these young guys that are developing, like Kyle Kuzma. I think it's possible. I think they can win a championship going that direction. And I don't think it has to be a disappointment or a bad thing if they miss out on one of the biggest names or the biggest stars in the NBA. I'm convinced LeBron still has enough left in the tank and he can maximize the roster that the Lakers give him. Just give him, just give him a couple more pieces that are you know, veteran players. I think that's the key. That, that understand what it takes to win. You give him those guys, you're good to go. And Carmelo Anthony... I think if he comes there, he takes away from Le- LeBron's development of chemistry with the young guys. LeBron needs to be hanging around the young players on the bench, in the locker room, at practices, after practices, on the plane, not hanging with his good buddy Carmelo Anthony. I think that would be where it would be the biggest issue, even beyond the, the, the court issue or the lack of fit that Carmelo Anthony would have on this team. So that's my thought on LeBron. That's what I'm convinced of. Number two. I'm convinced every NFL owner who plans on hiring a new head coach needs to read Michael Lombardi's, he's a former uh, NFL GM, his article for The Athletic with the headline, forget the hot list of head coaching candidates. If NFL teams want stability, 
they need to find a great culture builder. He says owners are always in search of a quick fix, something new and something they can sell to their fans. Becoming an NFL head coach is now an elected position more than a selected one. As a result of this dynamic shift, almost one-third of the NFL head coaching workforce turns over each year. And so Lombardi writes a great article, and he's even written a book about what it takes to build a dynasty and just uh, talks about Bill Belichick and uh, the 49ers and Bill Walsh. And so uh, Lombardi has a great perspective on all of this. And as a former GM, and, and he's won three Super Bowls, being a part of the, the, the Patriots and their front office. And so he, he gets it. Well, NFL owners do not get it because what they do is they listen to the media and they listen to fans and they want to get the hot name. They want to bring in the next great coordinator. But that next great, the, the, the name that's out there isn't necessarily the right fit for that franchise. And so owners have to go a little bit deeper beyond just the the name that's on the top of some list because it takes a while to build the right culture and to find the right coach that goes with the right GM that goes with the right owner. But when those three get on the same page, that's when championships are won. But when you get a new coach every two years and you get a guy who's, who's really just not, doesn't have what it takes, he doesn't have the personality, he doesn't really understand what it takes to build a culture, he just understands the X's and O's, and maybe his offense was great one year or his defense was really stout one year, and then all of a sudden, ooh, he should be, he should be a head coach. Ooh, that, that sounds like a fun, a fun guy to have. Look at all those cool plays that he's been running for his team this year. Yeah, those are cool plays, but he doesn't understand what it takes to really be around a culture that lasts. And so that's what they have to look for, the personality and the vision of a coach to be able to build that. Think what Bill Belichick has built in New England, what the, 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 the old Colts teams with Tony Dungy, and even what Dungy built in Tampa Bay. They built, they built a culture. They didn't just build a team. They built a team that could last. And, and year after year, regardless of the players that, that came in or out in New England, Belichick built a culture. It wasn't, he wasn't a one-hit wonder. He had a vision, and, and Robert Kraft allowed him to build on that vision. It helped they got Tom Brady, but, but it's so key to build the culture. And, and so oftentimes, uh, owners just don't do this. And so uh, Lombardi went on to say, as NFL owners make these crucial coaching changes, they need to understand precisely what their culture within the building is or what they want it to be and then assess exactly what they need before they make any decisions, regardless of who everyone else is looking at. So it's not always about, ooh, all these teams are looking, for the, looking at this one coordinator. We should, too. We want to go get him. No, find the right leader and culture builder and give him the time to implement his plan. That's what Lombardi says. And then Lombardi says, by doing this, the team might not have to hire another coach for 10 years. So Michael Lombardi's all over it. I'm convinced of it. And, and if you want to even look at, at college coaches, Dabo Sweeney knows what it takes to build a culture. That's what he's done with Clemson. However, I'm convinced that doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL because Dabo, I think, is perfect for college. But there are NFL coaches that understand what it takes to build a culture, and that's the guy you have to go find. Not just the cute offense, the one who's a leader and a culture builder. All right. I got two more real quick. I'm convinced 
the Packers players giving Mike McCarthy a standing ovation after he was fired is a really special and unique moment that he deserved. He was there for 13 years with the team. He was able to come back in, address the team, and say goodbye. They need a new voice, uh, but I'm convinced that the players did the right thing by giving him a standing ovation, giving him the credit uh, that he deserved for, for all that he did there. It was just time for a change. All right, one more. I'm convinced. Round Ball Rock by John Tesh. Remember uh, NBA on NBC, that theme song? It's back. I'm glad it's back, but I'm convinced that it should remain with the NBA instead of college basketball on Fox. So I'm glad it's back, but I'm convinced it's on the wrong station with the wrong sport. So I'm Bryce Johnson. That's what I'm convinced of. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Sean Alexander. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us today as we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Be sure to check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can subscribe to our email devotional and our podcast. Later on during the show, I'll share some thoughts that, that I have regarding Jim Harbaugh and the the speech that I heard him give at the Bronco Nagurski Awards Banquet in Charlotte. And so I look forward to sharing that with you. Joining us now on Unpacking It is Sean Alexander. He's a former running back who played for the Seattle Seahawks and Washington Redskins. He played college football for the University of Alabama and was drafted by the Seahawks 19th overall in the 2000 NFL Draft. He set numerous NFL and Seattle Seahawks franchise records and was named the NFL MVP in 2005. He was also named to the NFL's 2000 All-Decade Team. More importantly, he's a husband, father, and follower of Jesus. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today on Unpacking It. How are you? Bryce, I'm so, uh, first of all, I'm honored that I'd be uh, invited to your show, but I'm really proud of you, man. Like, uh, just watching your show keep getting bigger and better, man, it's pretty awesome. Man, no, I appreciate that. It's, a, it's an exciting time for, for sure. And, uh, man, I've been, I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. So, so excited to have you on the show. And, and we've got to start with what you experienced last weekend. And, and first off, you're, you're a former Alabama running back, and so they won the SEC, but what a crazy game, and, and you were there. And so what was it like watching Georgia have the lead, Tua then gets injured, and then Hurts comes in, and, and he's the hero? Yeah, I mean, you know, you always want your school to win and, and um, that, but Alabama's got an amazing tradition. Um, the faith of our school is uh it's just really awesome and uh you know back in the 60s um bear bryant was the head coach and um he walked into his uh his uh locker room it's the coaches meeting it was just some of the coaches there one of them was gene stallings who was my coach when i was at alabama and he said he said hey beebs which is jim's uh, uh gene's nickname he said beebs the worst thing has happened to my football program and he said what is that he said the fellowship of christian athletes I walk in there, I see these guys praying and hugging on each other and crying. Oh, man, they're making my team soft. Wow. Uh, four months later, they win the national championship. <laughs> Beebs comes walking in. Hey, Beebs, I want to tell you the best thing that's ever happened to my football program. 
the fellowship of Christian athletes. He said, I tell you what, there was times when we should have lost, but these guys would not quit on each other. And uh, he said, you make sure that's always going to be a part. And he has had open door for people truly getting discipled, truly getting mentored um, in their faith, not just being a good football player, but really growing in the ways of the Lord. And, um, and it was still there when I got there, you know, recruiting was really simple. Hey, you're going to have every opportunity to be everything you want. You want to be a, uh, a businessman? Here's the business school. You want to be a lawyer? Here's the legal program. If you look people here that will disciple you and walk you through what it's like to walk as a man of God. And, uh, and it's still going on. And so to see the guy, young men like Tua and Jalen just growing faith, you know, um, could you imagine being SEC player of the year as a freshman, SEC player of the year as a sophomore, and then playing in the national championship game and getting basically benched by a true freshman. Mm. And then you're going into your junior year, and every all they can say is, this other kid, you're all SEC, but this kid's all world. Mm. Um it's a humble pie, mm. but uh, to watch Jalen still say, you know what, there's something bigger than this going on, and I believe it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and and that's what that's what you couldn't help but be proud of just the mature process that uh, that he's gone through, you know, and we all get to share with each other all the time. It's like, man, we're all going through this maturation process. We're all trying to be a little more godly, a little more Christ-like every day in our lives, and to watch him stand up and say, you know what, this really, really hurts, but I'm still going to go for God. It, it was awesome. Wow. No, what, what a story. Sean Alexander, our guest right now on Unpacking It, and I, I, I'm not necessarily an, an Alabama fan, but I couldn't help but cheer for them last Saturday because that was just a special moment in sports uh, to, to see Hurts come in and have that opportunity to, to be back in the, in the spotlight. But, but at the same time, you know, it's tough to see the starting quarterback go down with an injury with, with Tua having to head to the locker room and, and, and a video went around with, with you having the chance to pray with Tua. So, so on the flip side, when, you know, when a guy gets injured and ha- has to go out to even open up the opportunity for, for Hertz to be in there, what, what did you take away from, from that side of things as well? Well, you know, football, it's, uh, it's one of those interesting things because you can be worshipped like, like you're God. And at the same time, know that you're not. And so there's this there's this battle for all men to want to be praised. So we don't want to say, like, well, I'm never willing to be praised. You know, that would be a lie. Mm. But to have it where it becomes bigger than what it needs to be is a dangerous place. And to have it where it becomes uh, your lifeline, why you do things, why you do what you do, those are just dangerous places. And, um, and so I've always challenged people to play the sport, play it well, play it where it um, – could uh, deserve uh, accomplishment, you know what I mean? And people could say, good job, and cheer you on. So you play it that way, but at the same time, don't let it become why you play. Mm. And uh, and so, you know, so that's the same thing that we, we're walking to or through, that we walk Jalen through, you know? And, yeah. uh, and to just watch those boys just continue to say, you know what, this is what I do, but it's not who I am. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. That, that's a great perspective. Sean Alexander with us on Unpacking It. And, and Sean, so last weekend as well, uh, it was announced that, that your, your name will be associated with an award uh, for the outstanding freshman in college football. And so, so take us into how this award came about and, and, and what the Sean Alexander Award for Outstanding Freshman will, will end up being. 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's quite humbling and it's almost surreal because here the college, the Football Writers Association of America, the FWAA, they uh, they said, you know what, we want to mark college football. And they, they, they do the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year. They do the, the Gertzke and the Outland Award, which is the best defensive player and the best um, lineman in the country. And uh, they said, yeah, we want to do something that, that really sparks life to college football. And um, they got to a conversation about who could we label for the freshman All-American team, that which they also do, that when we say their name, we could think of great talent, but then also label this kid as this is the kid that has character that we want um, other kids to be like. And um, and they and they started throwing around names, and somebody said, "Man, you remember when Sean Alexander was a freshman at Alabama? He was just dominating that number one defense in the country." Um, but he was just humble. There was something about him that we all liked, and so they all got around. Was like, let's name it after him, and uh, and that's what they did. And uh, so that's how I got picked. And and the Sean Alexander Award is going to be really similar. We're looking for the most talented freshman that's full of character that would be an ambassador to their school and to their university, and that could have the potential to be a legend in the NFL. And wow. uh, we hope that we uh, and we hope that we find a bunch of kids that would one day become the princes of college football and they would carry that title uh, very well. Man, well, what a, what a neat opportunity just to be a part of, a, of an award. And, and will you get then the opportunity to, to interview these guys or, or what's kind of the process for you to kind of get an idea of, the, the character of these players that are up for the award? Well, you know, it being the first year is probably going to be the most, um, I would say, loosest yeah. on how we know the background of all the kids because we're putting our teams together even as we speak. But um, from here on, it will be one of those things where, you know, from a junior in high school, we'll, we'll start to build relationships because I believe, you know, of course, being just a man of faith and loving Jesus on my heart, it's the greatest gift I could ever give somebody mm. is to have an opportunity to understand that they were fearfully and wonderfully made by Elohim, the creator God. Um, and because we didn't handle that responsibility well, <laughs> he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So it's God wrapped in flesh to come and die for our sins. And so that is what that whole process is what true discipleship is, teaching people how to walk out who God really created them to be. And, I don't just believe in discipling the person. I want us to disciple the whole family, mm. husbands and wives and children. And so one of the cool things that we'll get to do by um, getting to know these kids as juniors in high school, seniors in high school, um, freshmen, as we'll walk with a lot of them through their whole time. But then even after that is being able to have the opportunity to have my team of of great football players, excellent football players that also love the Lord and let them know, just like at the University of Alabama, there's all Americans that love Jesus that are walking this thing out that could truly, um, as we say, spit the gospel right back to you so that you can know that that's bigger than just uh, playing football. And to be able to have that opportunity with all these young kids, is, it's going to be an amazing thing. Oh, that's awesome. And so when will we hear this year's winner? What, what's the date for that? Uh, so January 6th will be um, will be the national championship game, and we will also announce the winner. And so the Football Writers Association, um, they pick the All-American team, and then we pick out a handful of writers that will all be a part of 
picking out who um, is going to be the winner, and I'm one of those people that get to vote also. So it's not fully Sean gets to pick. It's a it's a it's a it's a full staff of guys that say, yeah, hey, here's the most talented. Here's the character guys. Um, let's be let's be it all. Like let's not just be good character and you can't tie your shoes. Now we want you to dominate the field, but dominate the character. And uh, and it's going to be pretty awesome to watch these kids grow to be uh, fine men uh, on on every level. Ambassadors to to more than just uh, their family. The award is called the Sean Alexander Award for Outstanding Freshman, and uh, really thankful to have Sean joining us here on Unpacking It today. And we're going to take a quick break, but we've got plenty more with Sean Alexander. We're just getting going. We're going to hear all about what it's like raising 10 kids and plenty more with Sean Alexander right after this. The place to hear athletes opening up about their true passions in life. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Fantasy football is the best. You compete with your friends and family all season long, and when you win, it's so exciting. I have won two rings myself, and as fun as fantasy football already is, what if we played with more purpose and meaning? Well, at Fantasy Football Fellowship, we created a way for you to have league meetings throughout the season to discuss how fantasy relates to our lives and the Bible. Each week, we have content, topics, and questions that allow fantasy owners to connect intentionally with each other and to God. We'll help your league have conversations about fantasy, faith, and life as you go from the draft to the championship. Play fantasy football and change your lives. Sign your league up today at FantasyFootballFellowship.com. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. We're going to continue right now with former Seattle Seahawks running back, former NFL MVP, Sean Alexander. And, and Sean, I'm, I'm just curious as somebody who, who followed you closely throughout your career, and, and your, your career ended back in 2008, and so... I know 10 years have passed since then, but but what has retirement been like kind of overall for you? What What's the experience been like? It's been amazing because, you know, you get to share with a lot of NFL alum about the wrestle, the war of of knowing that, you know, since probably eight years old for most kids, they played to like 28. For 20 years of their life, they were playing football and their identity was wrapped in it. And so to know, like, life can keep on going. I retired at 31, that life is still life, and you're still fearfully and wonderfully made, even if you're not playing football, you know? So to walk through that, walk through people with marriage, um, you know, of course, even in my own life, you know, my wife was highly amazed that I was around the house all the time, you know? (laughs) So we had to to wrestle through that, and we're homeschooling our kids, and I would say, ooh, let's do math like this. Let's let's do, you know? (laughs) And so so that whole process was – um, amazing and a wonderful joy, but also just it was tough, you know. And so, so to how to press through with with life is one of the things that we get to share. But we didn't realize how many life lessons we learned through those seasons that are good for people that didn't even make the NFL. And so, 
so uh, so that's been great. Um, some of y'all know we had three daughters when we played in Seattle and came over to the Redskins. I retired, and we had seven more children. Oh, <laughs> and so, man. so we are we're ten we're ten ten. We've had ten kids, and um uh, and uh, and it's been uh it's been awesome. And everybody's like, ten? Oh my goodness, are you done? I was like, well, we was done at one. Well, at least we felt <laughs> overwhelmed at one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We was right. overwhelmed at two. We was overwhelmed at three. And we realized the same answer for each one of those times you're overwhelmed is still the same answer. So. So we just kept on saying, "All right, God, whatever you got, we're we're there." And wow. uh, and it's been a it's just been an amazing uh, journey of ups and downs and growth and life lessons and thank you Jesus and and uh, we've just uh, un- unashamedly said, no matter what, we're going to trust God, we're going to have faith in God, we're going to believe in God, and uh, and we just keep on going. Man, that's incredible. So I'm, I'm sure you get asked probably every day, but. But how do you do it? What what's the what's the the secret to, to keep going with, with ten kids and managing all that comes with that? Well, you know, of course, of course, a little bit of structure. Yep. Um, a lot of faith. You know, my wife is a superstar, so she's she's the structure queen. You know, I'm mamas sure. have the inner thing to say, "I'm gonna hold this thing down," and so so that's good. But then also letting people know truth. You know, we've always said we're going to always give everybody, whether it's our kids or just family and friends, we're going to try to give truth with love. And so you're never going to feel like you, our life's about rules. It's always going to be about, about relationship, relationship with Jesus, relationship with each other. But it's going to be truthful. It's going to be honest. And we will say, hey, you know what? We don't like doing this. Can you fix this? You know, can you do that? And so even with our kids, it's always been the same, like structure, truth, and love. And then we're going to, we've chosen to, to usher the fruits of the spirit in. Mm. And, um, and so if we're going to say joy is going to be in our house, we have to decide that we're going to be joyful people and that's thankfulness. And, uh, and that doesn't start with just trying to be joyful. That starts with having a true belief that God is enough. Mm. And, um, and when you do that and, um, you, you set the stage to be joyful and it's the same with peace and it's the same with patience and kindness and gentleness and, and uh, faithfulness and self-control. All those things start with knowing that God is enough. Wow. Man, no, what, that's so inspiring to hear. And, and so, uh, of course, managing 10 kids and loving each of them well is, is, is crucial. But, but also, I, I know just in, in marriage and family and life, the, the, uh, the wife is so important at, just from your relationship with her to keep everything else going. So, so how have you navigated that, that challenge with, with having 10 kids but, but keeping your wife and, and you strong and solid and, and being the leaders of the family? Well, I think that it's, it's uh, one, being patient, patient with each other. Of course, I don't always have it figured out. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't and sometimes I do, but then also knowing that she doesn't either. So we already, we already defunct this thing that, number one, you have to be perfect. Number two, that it's the spouse's job to satisfy each other. Mm. That's just not true. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, once again, that's God. God's like, I'll take that bill. That's Great, right. God, you do that. And so when you have those things, you can be um, gentle and loving when somebody's in their weakness, but you don't have to try to fix it, and you definitely don't have to try to stop it. You know what I mean? So yep. if my wife's in her flesh, I can say, oh, you know what? I get this. I know where you're at. Okay, cool. Hey, I love you. I'm going to carry on loving Jesus. How can I help you? But there is no, you're going to be the whipping post to make me feel better. Nope. You take that to Jesus. Oh, well, it's your job to make me feel better. Nope. You take that to Jesus. We're going to walk towards Jesus together. And uh, and that's the kind of posture that you take. 
And uh, once again, so but just like the fruits of the spirit, um, I always tell all the fathers, it's your job. You bring that. You bring that presence in, mm. um, not to make them feel good, but to understand that God is enough, and that and that we're going to lean towards God, and not just be good at following rules or trying to create behavior modification. It's going to be um, it's going to be all drenched in truth. And um, I try to explain this there by all the time. The true definition of love is a choice to have strong devotion and strong desire wrapped in truth. Mm. And so you need those four things all the time. You need truth. You need choice, desire, devotion, and truth. And, um, and what happens is, is as you get older, you gain more truth with this person. Hey, I love you. I'm devoted to you. I desire to you. And then you're like, ooh, you're kind of crazy. Truth. <laughs> okay. I've got to go back and make this choice again. I'm going to still choose, even though I know there's more truth of you, I'm going to still choose to desire you and be devoted to you. And then as you keep on going, you'll realize something else. They're even more crazier. <laughs> you know That's what right. I mean? That's right. And, yeah. as you, and as you keep on going, they'll realize the same thing about you. Oh, this person's crazy. Yep, <laughs> sure is. Need a savior. Yep. But guess what? We're gonna, I'm going to choose you and be devoted to you and desire to you. And, and the thing is, is the more truth you can give to somebody, you can actually step into what everybody really desires unconditional love. That's mm. what everybody desires. Amen. And so as a person just says, oh man, I am so loved so well. My wife says to everybody, don't you really want to be loved? Don't you want to be known? Like when you give yourself a chance to be known, you give yourself a chance to be loved. Yep. And, um, and we live in a society where everybody's always trying to hide. Wow. And so when you're trying to hide, you don't really give your chance to be loved. And so what happens, everybody's lonely. And so mm. it feeds itself. I'm going to hide out so I don't get known. And then hopefully people won't think of me badly, but then you're mad at them because they don't really love you and know you completely. It's just a, it's just a bad cycle, but that's what Satan does. He gets oh, yeah. you to try to behavior modify and perform instead of being real and honest and upfront and be known so you can be loved. And Jesus did it better than anybody else. He fully knows all of us from the greatest things we do to the secret dirty sins that we know we don't even like about our own selves. And he says, yeah, I know that's there. I still die on the cross for your sins. I still love you. Um, it's the greatest love that there is. And I always try to challenge people to at least get one, maybe two people that could fully know you and still unconditionally love you. Wow. It's powerful stuff. He's Sean Alexander, former NFL running back, former NFL MVP, played his college football at, at Alabama. And, and man, we, we, could, we could go down that path uh, a, a lot more because that, that's a, such a deep and important topic to discuss. But, but along with that, you, you did write a book called The Walk, Clear Direction and, and Spiritual Power for Your Life. And, and you talked about how, how standing still is not an option in your relationship with God. And so what was the, the message you wanted people to hear as you were writing that book and, and sharing your heart on, on paper? You know, there was two things going on in that time. I had just retired, and... Um, and I was praying about, should I come out of retirement or should I not? The Redskins were offering again. There were some teams that were kind of calling. And um, and I was just asking God what to do. And, and I felt like I, w- I would go into my bathroom and I'd pray. And I was going to the steps of our bathtub. And I was just sitting there just praying. I felt like God was just coming and meeting me on these steps. And I saw these five steps. And he was coming sitting on them. And he said, Sean, everybody's on one of these five steps. 
And it was almost like he was just writing where they were. And the lowest step was unbeliever. Mm. That means they just don't know God. They're, they're wandering or they're wandering. They're wandering like a, like a feather floating in the air. They're just wandering or where the wind takes them as go. Or they're wandering like, ah, something's not right. I wonder what it is. And those are the people you see, they go work out harder. They go, they go, they go train harder. They, they go do more things. Maybe I'll go serve. A lot of times people are wondering what to do with themselves. And really it's because they're not believing. And so believing is a strong thing, um, but this is where unbelievers are. Well, that second step was believer. And just the bare bottom line is this. You believe that Jesus Christ is God wrapped in flesh, um, that he came on this earth to be the answer for our sins. And he died and then conquered death three days later and rising from the grave. And and um, and that's what you believe. You believe he came from a virgin named Mary, you know. And, and uh, you, when you have these simple beliefs, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to follow these things. And that's what a believer is. And a lot of times people make it so complicated. They make it how many church services you go to, how many how many times you don't do this, how much things you turn down, all the good things compared to the bad things. And God's like, I need just simple believers. I'll walk you through everything else, which takes you to the third step, which was an example. An example is a person that doesn't have to say anything. You can just watch their life, and you can tell what they believe. Mm. And that's what an example is. And God's just trying to find some examples. He's trying to find some labors for the kingdom. Man, they just, they're taking care of business for the kingdom all the time. And which takes you to the fourth step, which is a teacher. A teacher is not a pastor. A teacher is one that can explain why they live the way they live. And so what we have is we have a lot of times people trying to teach people mm. without being examples. And it creates this huge hole in everybody that they're touching and everything that they're doing. Because the whole is being an example for Christ. And I'm not saying that you've got to be an example, a perfect example to teach, but you should be an example. That's what the difference is from being blameless and sinless. God says, my children are blameless. Now that means that you're an example of Christ. Mm. Sinless means you're perfect. Well, Jesus can do that. And so you have the bottom floor is, uh, is unbeliever. The next step was believer. The third step is example. The fourth step is teacher. The fifth step was imparter. Hmm. And a parter is one that can usher in God's presence into a situation. And, uh, and it was, it's amazing because, you know, I've been in places with, with singers that, that they sing and all of a sudden people start weeping and you're like, oh man, that's something on them. And that's the Holy spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've seen people and I, you know, it's one of those things like I, I ain't walking around just praying for everybody and seeing broken bones healed, but I have seen it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. and so, and so, and so you step into places where it's just bigger than you. And I'm not, and I don't want to condone, um, people being foolish with the presence of God rolling around and barking. And I've seen all that too. And I'm like, mm, that's too much, but it's the same as somebody reading the word and talking to people about God and the love of the God is speaking in King James language. And then a bum on the street can walk by them and they'll cross the street because they don't want that person to, they're scared to connect with that person. Mm. I feel like those two things are the same thing. The person that Bible thumps, but won't get down and dirty with the homeless as well as the person that's saying that they're speaking in tongues but actually, but actually has all kind of sin in their life. They're both evilly, evilly, equally evil in God's eyes. Mm. And so, so with that, um, and so with that, God had me write this book, breaking those things down, explaining what's it, what's it like for any one of those five stages, unbeliever, believer, example, teacher, or imparter. What's it look like to go through a trial at those steps? What's it look like to be in Satan's trap in those steps? And what does victory look like when you're on those steps? 
Check out SeanAlexander.com. The book is called The Walk. And, man, really just appreciate you coming on, sharing your heart today. Have a wonderful Christmas with the 10 kids and, and enjoy that. Soak it in. And uh, would love to talk with you again, but excited for you and the award, the Sean Alexander Award. And uh, really appreciate you taking the time today. Hey, bless you, Bryce. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. There's Sean Alexander joining us here on Unpacking It. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Each week, we wrap up the show with a segment we call Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. This week, I attended the Bronco Nagurski Awards Banquet in Charlotte, where the nation's top defensive player, Kentucky's linebacker Josh Allen, was the worthy recipient of the trophy. The keynote speaker for the evening, though, was Michigan's head coach, Jim Harbaugh. What stood out to me most about him is his absolute love for the game of football. I clearly heard his passion for the sport and how much he values it, wants to be around it, and enjoys talking about it. Coach Harbaugh told the story of how he first fell in love with football and how he's been living and breathing the sport ever since he was a young kid. He exudes and represents football. His passion is contagious, and he can't comprehend how someone wouldn't love the game too. Known for the, quote, attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, Harbaugh, of course, incorporated it into his speech. I looked up the word enthusiasm, and it means intense and eager enjoyment. And there's no question, Harbaugh feels that way about football and coaching. But what about us? Do we live with an intense and eager enjoyment for anything? Is our greatest form of enthusiasm rooted in Jesus or some other substitute? Do we exude and represent Jesus? Is our passion for him contagious? Do others know how much we love Jesus by the way we live our lives and the way we speak about him? Do we value Jesus above all else? Do we enjoy telling others the story of how we first experienced and developed our love for him? The Bible says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. It also says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. In view of God's character and all he's done for us through Jesus, let's attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Let's seek him with intense and eager enjoyment. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins, and he was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA.